you for taking time to listen to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church and of our campus in Lexington, Kentucky. It is our prayer that as you listen today, you will be encouraged, challenged, and equipped to be all God has for you. We invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at either 8.30 or 11 o'clock a.m., at our Todd's Road campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. It's good to see some people in the flesh. It's weird, too. I woke up this morning with, like, the first day of school jitters. Like, how am I going to do this? Do I look at the people? Do I look at the camera? Am I going to feel, like, nervous again? And, and what I've felt is an overwhelming sense of joy and, and delight and, and hope, naming that this is far from over. But yet, uh, we can begin to see hope. And, and that's, that's our gospel story, right? That, that even though sin and death uh, still remain, uh, we have hope because we know what the future holds. Uh, and so I'm delighted to gather with you and to hear a fresh word from God. Would you pray with me? Holy God, would you meet us in this very space and open our hearts and minds uh, to hear a fresh from you today, to, uh, to hear where your spirit would prompt us to... Uh, a new understanding of you and your revelation and uh, to empower us to be sent forth uh, in faithful ministry to your kingdom. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. How many of you have experienced, ooh, that is a hot microphone, Davey. Uh, How many of you have experienced deconstruction in your faith? Uh, A moment of uh, great crisis where you think, this, this can't possibly be right, or this thing I've always believed is different, or uh, this group of people have been telling me something I don't believe. Is, is this uh, something you or somebody you've loved have wrestled with? Maybe you have a, a grown child uh, who, who was raised in the church, and, and you, you did all the right things, and then uh, they reach adulthood and they go, maybe I don't believe in those things. Maybe they aren't uh, what I thought. I've gone through a number of these in my life. I, uh, I've told you before, I was raised in a very faithful and pious household, but raised in this uh, uh, church and home that our our faith was primarily about uh, avoiding evil and doing good so that we can earn our way to heaven. And and for so much of my life, that felt uh, like an angry God and a a vengeful God. Uh, And for a season, I kind of wandered through uh, not understanding what faith could be about because that, surely that wasn't it. And then, then I met Chad Oyer, our youth pastor who I worked with and uh, he pointed me to, to this idea that we just have to love people and, and this gospel of love seems so much more freeing. Uh, but then I watched the people around the church and said, well, a lot of them aren't very loving. If that's the case, how, how is this the gospel? I, I came to seminary, which is uh, historically a place where uh, people get deconstructed. You uh, come in and they say, well, you thought you knew this, this, or this. And for so many seminarians, that's the point they decide to quit. They get all the things they thought they knew stripped away, uh, and they're grieving and hurting, and the seminary doesn't put them back together. Uh, Twitter is full of a whole hashtag of people, uh, the ex-evangelicals, people who were raised in, in a pretty extreme evangelical tradition who have grown up and said, like, this can't be the faith as I know it. And, and they found their faith restored in Twitter through other people who said, no, it, it, it might not look like this. And, and here's, here's how we understand God. Uh, I remember one time Cameron Bibb and I flew to, or, yeah, flew to Detroit to go visit Chad Weir. And, and in that moment, Cameron was wrestling with 
uh, how can a loving God uh, also be a God of judgment? And, and Oyer was able to sit and help him reconstruct his faith. You know, uh, offerings for me has been a place, uh, offerings, one of our third communities in our church, was a place for me of reconstruction, a place where uh, I got kind of put back together, where I saw uh, where behavior and belief meet, where uh, holiness uh, and love are inextricably tied together, uh, where I could kind of be put back, reconstructed. Nicodemus is going through a deconstruction in this passage. He is a pious Pharisee who is realizing that everything he believed uh, is falling apart. You know, there there were Pharisees that understood that Jesus was something special, and and, uh, Nicodemus seems to be the kind of poster child of their movement. Uh, He's early in John's gospel. John has uh, painted the picture of Jesus as the Word of God made flesh, who came to dwell amongst humanity. He uh, tells the John the Baptist story. The, the first ministry of Jesus is making water into wine at a wedding. Uh, he calls a couple of disciples. And then in chapter 3, we immediately get this Nicodemus story. This picture of uh, a leader amongst the religious leaders uh, having his faith deconstructed. I want to give you the context before today's passage. It starts in John chapter 3, verse 1. There was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a Jewish leader. He came to Jesus at night. And said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could do these miraculous signs that you do unless God is with them. There's already this like kind of moment of shame in Nicodemus' life that he's he's recognizing that things aren't what he expected. And so instead of standing out in the broad daylight and saying, yes, you are the one from God, he, he goes in the dark of night and says, surely you're that guy, right? Surely you're the one from God because you have this power and you're doing some things. Help me understand. And Jesus uh, seeks to reconstruct him in in one of the most obtuse ways ever. I assure you, unless someone is born anew, it's not possible to see God's kingdom. And Nicodemus says, how is it possible for an adult to be born? It's impossible to enter the mother's womb for a second time and be born, isn't it? Jesus answered, I assure you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, it is not possible to enter God's kingdom. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. Don't be surprised that I said to you, you must be born anew. God's Spirit blows wherever it wishes. You hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. It's the same with everyone who's born of the Spirit. Much like many of us would do, Nicodemus then goes, How is this possible? And Jesus answers, you're a teacher of Israel and you don't know these things? I assure you that we speak about what we know and testify testify about what we have seen, but you don't receive our testimony. If I've told you about earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you about these heavenly things? Nicodemus, we've got to sort your whole faith out. You you haven't understood this thing and now you want this. Let Let me explain it to you. No one has gone up to heaven except for the one who came down from heaven, the human one. And then we jump to today's passage. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so must the human one be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that everyone who believes in him won't perish but will have eternal life. God didn't send his son into the world to judge the world but that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him isn't judged. Whoever doesn't believe him is already judged because they don't believe in the name of God's only son. 
This is the basis for judgment. The light came into the world and people love darkness more than light for their actions are evil. All who do wicked things hate the light and don't come to the light for fear that their actions will be exposed to the light. Whoever does the truth comes to the light so that they can be seen that their actions were done in God. Nicodemus, you don't get this, do you? Just like when Israel was in the wilderness and they were rejecting God and faced this judgment through these snakes, they had to look to a source for, look to God for a source of hope. And in Israel, that became this bronze snake that was lifted up and delivered them. But let me tell you that no longer are we talking about bronze snakes, we're talking about me. The hope that, that you have to have is the hope that the one who has descended will ascend. The one that has taken on flesh will be taken to the cross. Nicodemus, I know this goes against everything you think you believe. You, 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 you expected a warrior and instead you're getting a martyr. Instead of a king who will unite us as a political power, you're getting a Messiah who will die. Nicodemus, do you understand? If I had heard Jesus' explanation here, I'm not positive I would understand in the moment, right? Centuries of waiting for the Messiah of Israel's hope. Centuries of waiting for God's anointed one. Centuries of waiting for Abraham's promises to come true for Israel. Centuries of empire after empire after empire. Centuries of desiring to see God's presence. Centuries of centuries of trying to be good enough. Century after century of uh, trying to offer the sacrifices, trying to fulfill the Torah, centuries of trying to get God to come through. And Jesus comes and says, it's going to look nothing like what you expect. I could, I could imagine that be even more de- deconstructive. You're going to die? I have to look to, to this? But you have God's power. You could do this. You could, you could overthrow. And yet we know from the rest of John's gospel that Nicodemus doesn't. Nicodemus seems to continue to follow the Jesus movement. He seems to, uh, to somehow understand what Jesus is talking about or at least trust in enough to begin to orient his life differently. Uh, partway through the gospel, the uh, religious leaders are ready to put Jesus on trial in kind of a sham trial. And, fair, and uh, Nicodemus says, look, let me tell you. Let's just give him a fair trial and it'll, it'll, it'll bear the test of time. It's, it's what we should do. And they ridicule him. Like, well, are you from that terrible Galilee just like he is? Nothing good comes from there. And then we don't hear about Nicodemus again until the end of John's gospel. When uh, it's the end of his passion and, and there's this concern that his body can't be left on the cross. And so we read that Joseph of Arimathea came with Nicodemus. That they took his body down, that they wrapped it and prepared it for the tomb. These two Pharisees who've had their entire uh, faith deconstructed. Their hope is no longer in uh, the Torah of Israel or a mighty king, but instead it's in uh, God who is now dead. And I'm sure they're still feeling a moment of, uh, how does this all fit back together? We know that Jesus said he'll return. We know he said he can put it back together, but... doesn't seem right but yet they continue to be faithful and John's gospel ends with the proof that Jesus was true to what he said that that he will be raised and that uh, that he is raised and that uh, they 
will see the new hope for not just Israel, but for the world. And maybe the most shocking for all this is, is how Jesus has reframed uh, his entire ministry for Nicodemus. God thusly loved the world. Not so as in terms of extreme, but in this way God loved the world. That he sent his only son that whoever would believe in him would have life eternal. And in the end it says, and then whoever believes in him will be in the light. Uh, the only preconditions in Jesus' gospel for, for acceptance into the kingdom of God is belief. For uh, this religious leader who believed that participation in God's kingdom comes through Torah obedience, through uh, understanding the rabbi's yokes, from taking all 613 laws and understanding them and, and then learning what it means to particularize those. And Jesus says, you simply have to believe. It feels a lot like uh, my faith deconstruction and reconstruction that uh, so much of my life I thought you had to do these things uh, to get salvation and instead these things become the fruit of our salvation that our God invites us to simply believe and that he loves us and then will sanctify us and then we are made for good works that's the Ephesians text the good works don't uh, save us the uh, right moral standing doesn't save us it's the death resurrection and ascension of Christ who offers us the grace to simply say I believe and to be saved I think the church universal is in the midst of a deconstruction. I know, uh, I know so many of my friends are, and so many of my colleagues are, and, and so many of you are as we talk. I've watched it happen in my father's life. You know, we, we talk pretty regularly, and uh, he talks about how in, in this stage of his life, in his 70s, uh, his, his true understanding of the gospel has completely changed, that, uh, that, that now... He understands his job is to simply love God and love others, to trust in God's grace, to, to be sufficient for himself and for all those in the world, that it is no longer his job to be the gatekeeper of people's morality or goodness. And uh, friends, that is uh, a radical reconstruction. Uh, for me, I, I've, uh, in Teddy Ray's paradigms, I've, I've learned uh, that I've had multiple reconstructions through my life that, that have set me to be orthodox, to fully believe that the power of Christ and the creeds uh, and in the gospel revealed are, are essential, that we can't uh, cross our fingers about uh, what we believe in terms of the divinity of, of Christ, the Trinitarian nature of our God, and uh, the resurrection of the body and the life of the church. And yet at the same time, uh, I've recognized that, uh, that my faith has been deconstructed to make me progressive, that I believe that people matter, that uh, when, just, when Jesus said that you know, we're going to clothe the naked, feed the hungry, uh, care for the poor and the widow and those in prison, like he meant it. And so that, uh, for me, those two things have become uh, a central uniting. And, and then I add this layer that even though the term evangelical has been uh, run through the mud, I have an evangelical zeal that I believe that God does new births, just like this passage is talking about. But instead of it being through us finding our way to holiness, it's through us believing in God's grace doing the work. The problem with deconstruction is so often there's not reconstruction. You all know somebody who was the youth group president and is now no longer a believer. You've got that family member who, uh, who says, I just can't, I can't accept this or that. This thing seems inconsistent or this. Your God seems angry. You Christians seem hypocritical. We, we all know somebody 
who has been deconstructed and not reconstructed. Friends, we have beloved members of Andover who would go uh, 40 years from their deconstruction to their reconstruction. My hope is that just as Nicodemus uh, came to understand this, this new gospel of Jesus Christ, this, this hope uh, with a simple command to believe, it's my prayer for us that we begin, uh, not begin, that we uh, continue to be shaped and formed in ways that uh, reflect our understanding of the gospel, that point the world to a Jesus who dies for all, a Jesus who loves and welcomes all and then calls us to sanctification together, to this fruit that the Ephesians text uh, talks about, that, that we then embrace the good works that are part of our sanctification, that we wear out our knees praying for God to make us holy and to love him and to love others, that we might, even when we don't understand it, Uh, go as far as to the tomb with Jesus. For thusly God loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever would believe in him should should not perish but have everlasting life. Friends, it was the good news for Nicodemus and it's the good news for us today. Would you pray with me? Holy and loving God, So often uh, we have made uh, we've made uh, systems uh, we've made uh, theories we've made uh, other people uh, the source of our hope. Our faith has been rooted in uh, this teacher or this idea or this thing Forgive us for that, Lord, and continue day after day to call us back to your gospel of grace that uh, we are simply to believe and accept your grace, that in and through that, then we will manifest good deeds, that fruit will come forth. Lord, where we still need deconstructing, help deconstruct us, and Lord, then help us be reconstructed in the light of your grace and your truth, in the light of your gospel, that in and through us, the world might see your face and know your kingdom. We love you and praise you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.